Welcome to Headlines of the Future, brought to you by Bayer. Fascinating clues to help solve some of the most pressing global challenges from climate change to feeding a growing population to curing diseases can be found in science and innovation. I'm Kate Hayes, and I'm your host of the podcast, Headlines of the Future, brought to you by Bayer. In this podcast, we get to hear from visionary scientists, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to learn more about how the science of today may positively impact our lives in the future. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the future of health, or more specifically, our own personal health awareness. The coronavirus pandemic has put both individual and collective health at the center of attention and has accelerated advances in digital healthcare in many ways. Is this new level of science-led self-care going to last? And how will digitalization help us to take care of our personal health in the future? I'm sure that the two experts joining us today will have interesting perspectives to share on these questions. First, Karen Hackney, External Innovation and Partnership Lead for the Consumer Health Division of Bayer. Welcome to the program. And I'd also like to welcome Daniel Notrot, co-founder and CEO of Ada Health. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Kate. As we get started, I think it's always interesting to learn more about our guests' backgrounds and particularly what led you to a career in science. So Daniel, you're a lawyer and an entrepreneur with a passion for technology and artificial intelligence, or AI. So tell us a little bit more about you. Were you always interested in science? Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, I got more and more interested in science over the last 10 years since we started with Ada. Um, my two co-founders are actually the scientists in, in our endeavor. Uh, one of them is a practicing medical doctor, pediatrician and geneticist who worked in the NHS in the UK, did her PhD in neuroscience in Cambridge. And my other co-founder, uh, who's actually a grandson of a Nobel Prize winning physicist and seems to have the science in his genes, uh, he, uh, he's a, a theoretical uh, neuroscientist as well. And so I was basically uh, meant to be the business guy uh, in that founding trio. But I've gotten more and more and more interested over the last 10 years, and uh, now I can pretend to be a scientist sometimes. So can you tell us a little bit more about how this partnership came together to form Ada Health and what it is that Ada Health does? Yeah, so we were introduced by uh, mutual friends and former colleagues. Um, I, I had some friends who worked with me uh, as far back as 20 years ago. And, and about 10 years later, they approached me and said, we've met these amazing scientists and uh, they have this idea about reducing misdiagnosis in the world. Um, and uh, we think it could be a good idea if someone could help them commercialize what they're developing. And I said, what do I have to do with it? Because up to that point, I had mostly worked in e-commerce. Uh, I also spent some years in strategy consulting. And before that, I was a lawyer. So, you know, I never claimed to be a scientist. But then when I met my co-founders, uh, I was really fascinated by what they were telling me. I only understood maybe half of it, but that was probably part of the appeal. And, uh, uh, you know, we're still going 10 years later, which is probably longer than some marriages would last. That is definitely true nowadays. So we're going to come back to this in just a few moments. But for the short term, can you just give us a brief description about what Ada Health does? 
Yeah, Ada Health today is a digital health platform that allows people to understand and manage their own health and basically puts uh, a lot of medical knowledge um, at the fingertips of everyone who has access to uh, any kind of smartphone. Um, the way it works is pretty much as if you could have a 24-7 WhatsApp chat with your trusted family doctor. So if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have these weird symptoms, you don't know what it means, you can use our app and put your symptoms in there. And after a series of questions, which is very comparable to uh, your family doctor taking the patient history, uh, at the end of these the series of questions, you will get two main things. One is an idea of which condition might be causing your issues. And uh, the second thing you're getting is some advice on what to do next. This can range from, uh, you know, no worries. It's most likely something that you can treat at home with uh, over-the-counter drugs, for instance, or, or not taking anything, all the way up to please go to the emergency room immediately. And our technology helps to basically triage people to the right next step in the care journey. That's the product we have today, and I'm happy to tell you more about what we're working on towards the future. Fantastic. Well, let's come back to that in just a minute. In the meantime, Karen, I'd like to know a little bit more about you and your background. So what was your path into a science career? Yeah, so I'm a fully-fledged scientist. I'm a white lab coat type person. So I was fascinated by science just from an early age. I'm supernaturally curious. And I think in science, you're just constantly learning. Like there are unlimited possibilities. It's about how do you find out answers. Um, and the world and the healthcare and everything is constantly developing. So as someone who loves learning, I think it was just really interesting for me. Um, I studied medical microbiology at university. So anything that's small that caused diseases um, was really interesting. And then funnily enough, my PhD was in coronavirus. Um, so very topical. Um, but I've been working for Bayer since 2003 in all science-based roles um, in medical, in regulatory, looking after pipelines. Um, so yeah, super fascinated this crossover with science and healthcare and um, yeah, really interesting world to be in. Absolutely. So I have to go back and ask, I mean, I can't not ask about the PhD in coronavirus. I know there are a lot of different types of coronaviruses, but what exactly did that mean? What were you studying? It was actually in chickens. Um, I was studying immunology and virology, so how the immune system reacted to the virus. And actually, whilst in chickens, it's still a respiratory disease. It actually has a commercial impact because it caused them to lay soft-shelled eggs. So if they caught that coronavirus, there was then a big impact on the amount of eggs that a chicken would produce. So there you go. But still a very similar um, coronavirus. They all um, belong to the same family. Did you ever imagine the scale of global devastation that a coronavirus could cause? So I finished my PhD in the early 2000s. Um, so I'd kind of ignored all that. And then when it kicked off last year, I went down into my cellar and dug out my PhD from the shelf. And actually about the first 20 pages was about the role of coronavirus and its impact on human health. So I hadn't um, even remembered that from 20 years earlier. Um, but no, by no means did it was ever thought to be a pandemic potential. You know, we know about the common cold and coronavirus. Um, but yeah, power of hindsight was not there. 
20 years ago in my chicken studies. Yeah. Well, the beauty of science is we keep learning, as you said. So you said you started with Bear in 2003. And I'm wondering, you know, where did you start? Were you always in consumer health? And then where you are today, what does the head of external innovation and partnering actually do? Good question. Um, so no, actually, I've worked for three different divisions in Bayer. So they're almost like three companies all under one roof. Um, I actually moved over to consumer care side in 2005. Before that, I was with the pharma side and actually at the time working in medical information. So when you talk to doctors, pharmacists and patients about the um, medicines that we have. And then I had a chance to move over to consumer and then haven't looked back since 2005 um, and then moved over to our global headquarters um, six years ago. And yeah, in my current role, really, it's about finding external opportunities to help us drive innovation for our consumers. So we have amazing brains at Bayer, um, but we're always looking to partner in the outside world to bring more to our consumers, whether this is in terms of speed, new innovations, technologies, and in the case of Ada, you know, in this digital health space that we might not necessarily be specialists in. That was going to be my next question for you, because I know that Bear recently invested in Ada Health. So I'm wondering, were you instrumental in this partnership? This was actually led by what's known as LEAPS, which is our um, equity investment arm. We've got more involved from a division perspective in consumer health. Since the investment's been made, then we are working with them to look for a partnership. But in terms of digital health, you know, we really believe in a future where people are able to take increasing responsibility for their own everyday health. And we want to be able to partner with helping people take care of themselves. Um, but as I said, we don't have the answers to everything. And in fact, you know, consumers don't even want a one-stop shop for all their, either an individual solution or brand to help them with all their wellness. Um, so we really look to partner with the best and the brightest like Ada, so we can bring both our strengths to bear for our consumers and get them better solutions. So one more question for you, Karen. Um, what do you think is driving this trend of people wanting to take more ownership of their personal health? That's a big question, Kate. And I don't think um, I don't think what we're seeing is so much a trend as much as an evolution that probably kicked off when we first got access to the internet and people suddenly gained access to practically all the information that's out there in the world. And we all became aware of Dr. Google and it became and still is commonplace to do a quick um, check of your symptoms, get a whole wealth of information back, relevant or otherwise, of what you might have. Um, I think before we started this recording, we were talking about wearable technologies and um, Daniel trying out one of the glucose monitors. I think those coming mainstream took this to the next level by really giving people the ability to track a whole range of vital measurements anytime and all the time. So this really raises your consciousness of your everyday health, constant physical reminder, either on your wrist or on your phone in your pocket. It also gives you a sense of uniqueness. So people started to crave personalization for their products because of all this data out there. 
And then, um, as you mentioned in your intro, um, COVID, I think this has accelerated beyond imagination, making people hyper conscious of their everyday health condition and really wanting to take some control of it, given so much is going on in the world that we can't take control over. Couple this with a even more virtual world, the coming of age with things like artificial intelligence. We have this incredible um, convergence of fulfilling a massive consumer need in ways that were probably unimaginable just a few years ago. Um, Daniel, any thoughts from your side about individuals taking ownership of their personal health? Yeah, I think the need has always been there, um, but uh, the technological developments have really enabled people to take this kind of ownership. And people are probably not even actively thinking about it as taking ownership. But uh, if I think back to my own personal story, when I was 16, um, which shows you how old I am, that was before, at least before I had access to the internet or knew that it existed, uh, I had a very unnecessary surgery because, uh, you know, we just believed in this so professor with white hair, you know, having the authority and being right. And then a few years later, when I was in university, that was still, unfortunately, before I had access to the internet, I went to uh, the, the medical faculty and did a little bit of research myself. And I realized uh, that that surgery actually shouldn't have been done anymore since the 1920s. So uh, I wish I wish I had had the possibilities that you have nowadays where you can kind of become an expert to some extent uh, on your own condition. And I think Eric Topol, uh, whom you've probably heard of, professor of cardiology based in La Jolla, uh, whom I've known for years, he describes this very well in his book, The Patient Will See You Now, how like the proliferation of smartphones and internet access really makes it so much easier for the patient to be more at eye level with the physician and actually be able to support the physician more uh, in, in an ideal scenario through these new possibilities. You mentioned Dr. Google. That, of course, is uh, can be a great help, uh, but it can also be overwhelming because you get uh, hundreds and thousands of search results and uh, you can't be very sure that what you see at the top is actually the truth. So that's really where ADA tries to help is really um, structuring this information and kind of mimicking how a good doctor would collect the information to then support both the patient and the doctor in trying to get to the to the best solution. And uh, we think there's a huge opportunity by combining this with uh, not only sensors and wearables data, but also direct-to-consumer diagnostic tests, uh, which are becoming much more accessible. We've seen this. People are uh, partly through COVID, they're realizing I could do self-tests. You know, for some things, I don't really need to go to the doctor's office and wait weeks for an appointment. I can just test this myself. Uh, and then all the way up to possibly a full genome sequencing, which can be incredibly insightful and the cost of which uh, is continuously going down. So uh, we at ADA, we think uh, there is a huge opportunity to empower uh, consumers and patients much more even than they already are by connecting the dots and putting all these different sources of health information together and computing them against each other and making that easily accessible and understandable for the patient. 
just to add, Daniel, and not to sound like quoting, but I was reading a Deloitte report about the future of health just the other week. And two facts struck me just from what you've just said then. Um, last year, so 2020, 42% of US consumers used tools to measure their fitness and track their healthcare improvement. And then what you said about at-home diagnostics, the same report said around a third to a half of consumers are comfortable using at-home diagnostics, whether this is blood or genetics tests for whatever reason. And of those that use these things, half of them actually share it with their doctors. So it's becoming super commonplace nowadays. So using things like um, pedometers, and I mean, I know they're digitalized now, but things that tell you how much water you've drank that day or how much you've walked that day, if you've had enough steps, those are examples of personalized health or taking ownership of your health? If you do something with it, absolutely. So it's a lot of data. And I think that's some where some of these digital tools at the minute, people don't know the so what behind them. And that's what's brilliant about ADA is that it gives you the so what from what you put in. But the rest of these things that are trackers, it then depends, you know, what do you do with that information? So really useful if it's to do with a condition about sharing it with your doctor. If it's more about healthcare, self-care, if you're not doing enough steps in your day or enough exercise or you're not drinking enough water, it's clearly down to yourself to have ownership and make a change there. So it doesn't make you make the change, but it gives you information to understand if you maybe should do. Yeah. Well, I think just that awareness is is somewhat new compared to growing up in the 80s. I think back to the TV commercials that were constantly bombarding us and there definitely wasn't an awareness about what was good for us to do or eat and what wasn't. Um, so I think we're all kind of at least thinking about those things now. What are some other examples of how people today could take ownership of their health in a way similar to Daniel's example that might really prevent them from having an unnecessary treatment or help them find a treatment they really need and may not have otherwise known? So we see this even at ADA. So the app has been out there just over four years, four and a half years, uh, has been downloaded over 11 million times. And we are at this stage, the app in the medical category in the Google Play Store in the iOS App Store with the most five-star ratings uh, ever globally. And every day there are people who write into the review in the App Store, uh, this saved my life or this saved my child's life. Uh, we would not actually have thought it uh, was serious, but this app told us to uh, seek medical attention right away. And this is the only reason I'm, I'm even still able uh, to write this review. So we see this really all the time. Uh, one other thing that we see is when it comes to rare diseases, as you know, these often take a very long time to get diagnosed. I think about seven years on average um, or, or even longer. What we're seeing is that people say, I have a rare disease. It took over 10 years. I've seen more than 40 doctors. Finally, last year, I found the specialist who gave me my diagnosis. So I just wanted to test your app. And now I'm sitting here crying because the app told me in five minutes what I had been looking for for over 10 years. So we have countless examples of that kind. And certainly, this is really just the beginning. So when you mentioned steps, pedometer, and these things, I would say that's kind of version 0. Seven of all of this, I basically started uh, testing a lot more of this stuff for professional reasons as we are looking to integrate all these different data sources. Now I have 
a sleep mate mat under my mattress. I'm wearing all kinds of smart watches, a ring that measures vitals, um, also the glucose monitoring. So where it gets really interesting is when you start understanding and I, I need to get it explained to me because remember, I'm not a scientist, but fortunately, I have a lot of them around me. When you start understanding how the different things are related. So you could have an example where uh, because of your sort of genetic makeup, you could have an eight times higher risk of developing a certain disease. Doesn't mean you definitely get it. But Ada would in this case already have this as kind of the foundational data in your profile. And then it could recommend, for instance, you should do an earlier screening for this condition, not like for the general population. Maybe you start at 50 years and you do it every five years. But in your case, you should start at 35. And every year you should do a little blood test to make sure that things haven't gotten worse. Uh, and then you can recommend very tailored checks, screening, and possibly uh, you know steps towards addressing the issue. So I think this is really the key to it is um, making the data actionable and personalized. It's not just about collecting data that sits there in a siloed and people don't really know what to do with it. Our ambition is really to connect the dots and, and make sense of the data to create something like an early warning system for your health. That's really the ambition and making that accessible, uh, ideally for free to everyone in the world, so that uh, at some stage, a billion people or more use that technology and, and it really changes the way people can access and healthcare and understand their own health. That is our ambition. So Daniel, what is the patient experience when using Ada Health? Can you walk me through what it does? You know, what do you do when you download the app? Well, when you download the app, uh, you do the usual thing. You have to register and tick a few boxes, of course, uh, you know, all the usual uh since we're based in europe uh, and specifically in germany we're very aware and it's a, it's a big topic for us to make sure that privacy and data protection rules are adhered to which means you need to tick a lot of boxes gdpr mdr all these things uh, so you have to do that and then it's really simple it's uh, uh, as, as i mentioned i mean if you basically your family doctor was such a good friend of yours that you could wake her up at 4 a.m. in the morning. You can just start a WhatsApp chat and you get immediate responses. And the next question is always dynamically computed. It's not a static decision tree. So based on the information you've given uh, so far, then the next question will try to narrow it down and get closer to um, the most accurate uh, suggestions on what it might be that's causing your problem and what you should uh, do to address it. The whole process is basically just like a WhatsApp chat, but it's with a bot. So the answers are immediate. It doesn't really take longer than five minutes. And then you will hopefully be able to make a much more informed decision on the next steps to take. That's the current user experience. So on the back end, what's happening with the app? Is this based on other data, artificial intelligence? Yes. So so we've hired over uh, the last 10 years, hundreds of doctors, and then we basically trained them to become medical programmers who call them medical knowledge engineers. We've developed our own domain-specific language in which they codify uh, sort of state-of-the-art medical uh, knowledge. And then behind that is a probabilistic reasoning engine that helps compute all these pieces of information. It's all proprietary uh, software that we've developed. Um, as I mentioned, it's really very strongly physician and, and uh, scientist-led 
and uh, we have a big medical safety team that's constantly making sure that uh, patient safety and medical accuracy are at the top of the agenda. So the more data you collect, does that mean the better the insights? Yes. So that's a great question. So that's the other bit. So what I just described was really the way we built the system originally, which was uh, relatively hand curated and really an expert led approach. But of course, what we're then trying to do is to create as many feedback loops as possible, like a virtuous cycle of feedback loops through which we uh, continuously uh, refine the system so that it becomes more and more and more accurate. That's exactly what we're doing right now. Every two or three seconds, someone somewhere in the world is entering a new case in ADA. And we always try to um, find out if someone ended up seeing the doctor afterwards, what diagnosis did the doctor give the patient? So we can then uh, sort of sharpen our uh, medical knowledge base uh, against that. Lab tests are an even better feedback loop because there is no uh, human or, or less human error uh, involved in that. We think doctors are amazing, but it's a known fact that sometimes, uh, you know, they can be wrong. Daniel, just to add on that one, I remember when we first started talking to you, you shared that data about how correct your app is versus doctors. Can you talk a bit more through that? Because I remember at the time thinking this was really good. Yeah, so uh, the key thing I should say beforehand is that it's never our ambition to replace the doctor in any way. Uh, very much on the contrary, the idea is to help the patient make a more informed decision on next steps and then hand over that information to the doctor to then also support the doctor. That said, the more accurate our solution is, the better we can do that job, right? So our ambition has to be to be at least as accurate as a human doctor would be that's uh, fulfilling the same task. There are various studies out there. There was one that was published in the British Medical Journal uh, some months ago uh, where uh, professors um, created 200 case vignettes and determined a gold standard diagnosis for those and then ran them through uh, various automated systems, people who are trying to do something similar to what Ada is doing but also put them uh, in front of seven practicing UK GPs. And by GP, you mean general practitioners? Oh, yes. Sorry. Uh, in this case, actually, the I should be uh, transparent that the GP still came out a little bit ahead of ADA on the diagnostic accuracy. There was a huge drop-off between ADA and the other automated solutions, though. Uh, and in terms of medical safety, which means the, the triage advice, is it safe? Is it accurate? On that metric, Ada was uh, already on par with the doctors. So how do you think that these tools are going to change people's relationships with their doctors in the future? I know we've talked a bit about how it's starting to change right now, but Karen, what do you think you're going to see in the future? I think it's important that the consumers will want to take more ownership of their everyday health. But as Daniel shared earlier, this doesn't mean it's about substituting for their doctor's care or advice, but it really gives them more tools to both improve their own health um, between doctor visits, but also to make the doctor visits more robust and have a complete interaction because they've got the bigger picture. Um but even then, you know, the information received, they have to then trust it's accurate as well. Because we talked about Dr. Google, you can have um, apps that you hopefully trust like Ada Health. Um, 
But, you know, they need to really have a trust and credibility that the information they're receiving from whichever digital tool it is helps them make a smart decision. And then they can, if they need to choose to make choose products for their own healthcare, that they're taking the right ones. And as we alluded to earlier, this can be really complicated and nerve wracking for individuals. I think no question. Um but they should really just think about trust and credibility. And for us as a 150-year-old um, company, you know, we've been around a really long time. Credibility is super valuable for us. And we use that when we either develop our products or the partners we work with. So we really go above and beyond. So anything that we develop with the Bayer Croissant or partners like working with Ada, we really make sure it's something people can trust. So I think back to your question, it'll just be about enhanced doctor visits, but also definitely from our perspective in consumer health world, thinking about wellness, not just about illness. So how do you keep yourself in a better place or even anti-aging, etc., you know, in between those doctor visits? So I can tell you that I know that some of our medical health records in the U.S. started to go online Um, more than 13 years ago um, when I worked in a hospital. Uh, And yet all of my health records are still not connected. The different doctor's offices or healthcare organizations aren't communicating. Um, Do you see this happening at some point in the future? And then all of that information being able to be integrated into an app like Ada, Daniel? Yes, I think it'll eventually happen. You're still probably ahead in the US compared to Germany, where a lot is still done, unfortunately, with pen and paper. Very often, you know, data protection is kind of uh, used as a pretend reason to stifle innovation, I have to say. But there are examples. If you look, uh, for instance, uh, in Scandinavia, there are some private health systems where this is all already happening. In the US, we see it happening as well. We work with two of the most innovative health systems uh, in the U.S. And what we're seeing there is that ADA can really already help free doctors time. Uh, One health system we're working with, Sutter Health in the Bay Area in California, where they've integrated our technology on their homepage and uh, also in their app. And people are using it, especially outside of uh, clinic hours, to figure out if they really need to go see a doctor, if that is the outcome they can at the end of the assessment, share the result of this pre-assessment with the doctor when they book their appointment. And the doctor thereby uh, already basically has a briefing before they even exchange the first word with the patient. Uh, and this has the potential to save about three to four minutes per appointment, uh, which it, you know really adds up. If you have 10 million patient appointments per year and you could save a few minutes every single time, then the doctors can really focus more on what they will always be better at compared to uh, to a computer, which is showing empathy and uh, really trying to understand even the, the nonverbal cues the patient is giving, all these kinds of things. And of course, doctors love it when um, they can take this automated patient history, do a couple con- uh, confirmatory uh, questions or checks, and then they press a button. And because all structured data, it goes into the documentation. So in this direction, this is already happening. So from the patient side into the, the health record. And what I foresee happening eventually is that this will also be possible in the other direction. So Karen, if you look into the future, 
What excites you the most about the possibilities for digital tools transforming personal health? What headline would you like to read in 2050? So I think I would go for digital helps consumers to take ownership of their everyday health. Digital helps consumers take ownership of their everyday health. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good one. That might be even sooner than 30 years from now. Maybe maybe next year. For me, um, we've been talking about true ownership of your everyday health. And I'm not sure that that's there in the wider population right now, that people understand that they are the owners and accountable for their health. So as we continue to get even more technology and information into the general population's hands, um, I think that's going to increase. And given that um, self-care and everyday health is about living the healthiest, longest, most fulfilling life possible, and digital tools I really believe are going to help to make that happen, I think that's truly um, exciting for everybody to be healthy for as long as possible. I think for Bayer and the future of digital tools, I think ultimately in the future, um, it's really going to transform the ability of our science to develop better products, faster, more tailored. We talked about personalization earlier. We're really just scratching the surface about what it means to inject so much data and information into our innovation engine. So to be able to get feedback practically in real time, as Daniel talked about, you know, every three or four seconds, more information going in and insights in real time. um, I think that's super exciting for us to develop both new products, but also for us to be able to talk to our consumers in a really meaningful way, because we're going to have so many insights about what's going on. That would be very cool. And Daniel, what about you? What headline would you like to read 30 years from now? Average healthy lifespan extended by 10 years across the world using digital tools. Yeah, that would be great to see a report come out in 20 or 30 years that says that. And and across the board, not just for, you know, currently developed countries, but even in places that it's hard to get good health care right now. Well, 30 years from now, I, you know, I'm not sure I'll still be around to read that headline. But if I were, uh, I, I would love to uh, see that um, people's healthy lifespan has gone up significantly uh, and that hopefully digital tools, including those we develop at ADA, will have played a significant role in that. I think there's a uh, an inflection point and a, and a huge opportunity to improve access to to healthcare, especially for those who currently don't have great access. And and I don't know if many people are aware of that, but this means billions of people uh, around the world. And uh, not only uh, in low and middle income countries, but even in the US, in the UK, in Germany, uh, access to healthcare can be improved for parts of the population. And uh, to get there, I think we have to make it as easy as possible to use these tools. Uh, We have to develop them always with patient safety as a top priority. And uh, I'd rather take more time to develop the solution responsibly than sort of throw something out there uh, and and not have uh, the medical accuracy and the patient safety in mind. And I I think there's, there's such a great opportunity by bringing all the different sources of data together that that's really uh, top of the agenda for us at this stage. And this will 
empower people both to make better decisions about when to use self-care versus seeing the doctor. So all the way, like if I think of Bayer from using the, the vitamin uh, supplements, which I successfully did uh, a couple of weeks ago, it seemed to have helped me uh, to, you know, when it gets really serious and, and you, you know, I think uh, having the underlying data and turning it into actionable insights and doing it in a way that is easily accessible, even if you're not a digital native. I think when we're at that stage, then we're going to see extremely widespread adoption, and then we're going to see a positive impact at scale for for everyone. And, and that's our ambition. That's what we're working on. And uh, I think uh, our friends at Bayer with uh, the mission of Health for All and Hunger for None are very aligned with what we're trying to do at ADA. So I'm very excited about this partnership. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. And I can't imagine how many people will benefit from it. So that's really, really exciting. I'd like to thank you both so much for this great conversation. I feel like I learned a lot. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to Headlines of the Future. We hope you found our excursion into the world of new health awareness as exciting as I did. If you want to learn more about science and innovations that help to address some of our most pressing global challenges, you can visit bear.com, listen to our next episode, and subscribe. And if you want, share the podcast with others or leave a rating and review. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Mm-hmm.